This is Self-Care You with Scott, and today we welcome on the podcast the great mind behind GetOutOfYourHead.com, Brian Sichetta. This Boston College grad is a blogger, a software developer, and the author of a volume book series, Get Out of Your Head. This series currently has two releases, which include Volume 1, A Toolkit for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety, and Volume 2, Navigating the Abyss of Depression. Brian's major focus is to help people overcome anxiety and depression. He's passionate about leveraging his own experiences and the latest psychological research to inspire meaningful change in others. Today we get away from the sunshine and rainbow mental health story and we talk about the importance of a straightforward and down-to-earth approach. This is Self-Care You, and we're about to level up with author and founder of the Get Out of Your Head movement, Brian Sichetta. What's good, everybody? It's Scott from Self-Care You. I appreciate you sticking around for another episode. This is an amazing one with mental health advocate Brian Sachetta. He's pretty awesome. He has an amazing concept. Uh, you definitely want to stick around for this conversation. We want to thank everybody for all the support. You know, the podcast is doing really well. Thank you for all the support from everybody in the States that is going after it. Everybody out there in California and Texas, we're getting a lot of love. We appreciate it very much. You know, we definitely... Love the fact that everybody's listening to the podcast, but we also love that people are shooting over to our Instagram page at selfcareu underscore level up and they're checking all our content. And we really appreciate it. So thank you for everything. Make sure you enjoy this episode. So today on the show, we sit down with mental health advocate, Brian Sichetta. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. And Brian, why don't you give our listeners a little business card of who you are, you know, where you're from? Yeah. So Brian Sachetta. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Been here most of my life, spend a lot of time in Florida. So that's kind of my second home. But I am the author and owner of Get Out of Your Head, which is a brand and book series that seeks to help folks overcome anxiety and, de- and depression. So I uh, do that through a bunch of different means. I've got a couple books out, uh, one in, on anxiety, one on depression. I've got a blog that I pump out blog articles on right now it's about on a monthly basis and then sitting down with folks like yourself and doing podcast appearances like this one. So, yeah, well, we appreciate you getting on the pod for sure. You know, self-care you is built about giving an encyclopedia to people in the audio form. So, you know, we really want to try and make sure that people understand that we can maybe help them with some of the issues that they're going through with relatable experiences. So we have conversations with all types of people. And like you said, www.getoutofyourhead.com. It's a fairly interesting URL. I'm really interested in the concept and how it came about. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, for sure. So it, it, I kind of stumbled backwards into it, if you will, right? It's like in 2017, I started writing my first book after having struggled with anxiety a lot in my own life and also having made some serious progress with it. So it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I, I always write from the heart and the things that I do in my life, I, I want to be aligned with like who I am, uh, what I enjoy, my passions, and also just like where I am in my life. I'm not going to write a book about anxiety if I don't have experience with it, if I don't have sure. a message that I think aligns with readers and actually helps them. So in 2017, I started writing uh, my first book, which is called Get Out of Your Head, A Toolkit for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. And as I moved down that path, right, I published it in t- late 2018. And then it kind of, you know, everybody that I knew, they were like, 
kind of saying like, oh, like that's your brand, right? Like that's who you are. You're the get out of your head guy. And so I just eventually started moving toward like, okay, you know, I've got my blog up. That's, that's going to get moved over to get out of your head.com. Once I acquired that domain, you know, the second yep. book would be called get out of your head volume two uh, subtitle on that one is navigating the abyss of depression. So that's a different subject, but really important nonetheless. And also uh, another book that, you know, kind of tugs at my own heartstrings. And also uh, it's a meaningful one for me and hopefully helps uh, readers and listeners of that one as well. So it kind of just grew over the years, right? From 2017 until now, it was like, you know, you almost don't even always know what you're setting yourself up for. When I wrote that first book, I was kind of just like naively thinking to myself, hey, I'll put it out there. Hopefully it'll sell a lot and help a lot of people. And then, you know, as I went further down the path, it was like, you know, I, I really want to, I want to make a name for myself and my brand, but also like, I want to build this brand because the larger it becomes, the more impact it can have on other people. And that, and that's really the the main mission here, right? Is it's like, it's not for fame and notoriety. It's right, like, yeah. the more people associate, get out of your head brand, the more people are going to get the information, synthesize it uh, and put it into practice in their own lives. And hopefully, you know, find some, some relief, peace, clarity, all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty amazing because, you know, with self-care, you, our slogan is, you know, obviously level up, but we're always promoting positivity, right? And that's how we operate. We always try and make sure that we're doing good or at least trying to help others very much like you just mentioned with your website. And it's funny that you mentioned it because selfcareu.net came the same way. You know, we developed the podcast, we have the self-care you podcast and some of our youth mentorship work that we're doing and, and the coaching and level up leadership. And then the website came after you know, and it kind of went backwards just the way, the same way you mentioned it. It's interesting how you build all this content and then you kind of need a place so that people can get to it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, uh, what do they say? Like, you don't always need to see the whole stair set yeah. uh, in order to, or the whole staircase in order to climb it. You ne just need to be able to see, you know, the step that's in front of you. So uh, sometimes it unfolds like that and it's kind of nice, right? You, you get to the point where you, you kind of say like, Hey, we've outgrown, uh, our current branding, our current website, whatever it is, and, and we move on to the next phase. That's a, um, obviously it's great if you plan the whole thing out uh, at first and you, you get everything set in stone, but in reality, it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to roll with it, right? Like it feels good. You got a good gut instinct. You just got to roll with it and see where it goes. Right. So you often mention the term sunshine and rainbows, mental health. And I want you to tell me a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So like on my website, I talk about how get out of your head, the brand, the books, the blog, like we are not a sunshine and rainbows brand. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the brand logo itself, it's this snake that's kind of snarling at you. It's got this long tongue that's kind of, um, you know, projecting out towards you. And the idea there, right, is like my designer and I, we sat down and we said like, you know, what the content that I've already put out, what, like, what is the message behind that? What is the tone, uh, the, the, what, what is the sort of identity that we've already defined through the words that we've written, but maybe haven't necessarily put into the branding itself? And we both kind of centered in on this idea of, you know, looking at the landscape of mental health and saying, hey, it's awesome that there's a lot of brands out there that show off this like peace, tranquility, uh, as you said, uh, rainbows and unicorns kind of vibe, like almost like, you know, yeah. giving you a hug, like everything's going to be all right sort of thing. Um, but like, you know, the, the way that I present my information is a little bit more raw and rugged than the average brand of like, 
you know, yippee, everything's going to be a hundred percent or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, I talk about difficult subjects and every one of my readers, listeners, um, who's in it to, to actually understand what the content about is if they have been driven to my content for something that they're struggling with, right? They are dealing with suffering. And so my brand, like what we wanted to do, both my designer and I, we were like, we want to evoke that sense of suffering or like not hide that away, right? We want to come out and say like, hey, we're dealing with difficult stuff here. And that is kind of the reason why we moved away from the sunshine and rainbows and unicorns kind of thing and moved towards something a little bit with uh, more of an edge more raw, rugged, uh, if you will. It was like, we want to be true to the message here uh, and not not downplay the severity of some of the things that um, people in you know my community, the brand community will go through. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. Nice and clean. You get it. Definitely, the brand is very clear. You get it when you come onto the website and you check it out. You understand that this is not, you know, it's not going to be like, like we've said a couple of times here, you know, rainbows and lollipops. It's going to be blunt to the point. This is what it is. And that's kind of how self-care you likes it as well. You know, although we are, you know, we promote positivity. We also acknowledge the negative choices, the negative things that are going on and how we can turn them around and make them positive impacts so that we're doing good things, you know, and making sure that a lot of our mentorship, we're teaching youth in our level up leadership program about, you know, just being a good human, making good choices. Cause if you don't, the other side, the negative side of is, is right here. And we present that picture so that people understand what it looks like. It's not just like, you know, I'm going to be over here. And if I slip off, everything's going to be okay because I'm going to be able to get back to the, to the good side. Sometimes you, you get fallen hard times, right. And you really got to put in work. That's what I loved about uh, get out of your head.com. And I'm interested just that little term, you know, what does get out of your head mean to you? Yeah. The, the whole basis, right, is like uh, if we break down where anxiety comes from, it's sort of, there's sort of like two entry points to how we feel anxious. One of them is through the body itself, and then the other is through the mind. So a right. uh, really quick trip into that, right? It's like if we are out on the street and somebody runs by us with a knife, uh, our body all like our bodies are trained to react to threats. And so without even thinking about it, we will see that person running by us with a dangerous weapon and our sympathetic nervous systems will rev up, right? Our fight or flight nervous systems will get going. And all of a sudden our hearts are racing, uh, our palms are, are sweating. There's blood like coursing through our veins. We may feel the, the uh, somatic uh, anxious response, right? It's almost like, okay, I, I'm feeling everything that I normally would when I'm anxious, but it's because of something that is happening, happening in my external environment. Um, and so there, the second path to anxiety is through the mind, right? And they do work. Uh, they are kind of interwoven, if you will, right? Where it's like, if you start off in that situation where there is a threat in front of you and you don't think about it and you get out of danger quickly, then eventually that anxiety or that response in the body is going to pass. Whereas mm -hmm. if you instead go home, sit on your couch, think all these scary thoughts, think to yourself, oh man, I, you know, I, I really could have been in danger there. Uh, and also like, I, I'm so nervous. Like, why did my heart race that fast? Like, you know, is there anything wrong with me? You start going into the, the looping thinking of the mind, right? And then all of a sudden you get into this situation that I call like uh, this phenomenon called uh, the anxiety synergy, where basically the body and the mind come together. They're, they're the, the forces that they bring to the anxiety game, uh, they 
add together. It's it's one of those like one plus one equals three situations, right? Where it's like uh, what we experience in the body and what we experience in the mind in terms of anxiety. Uh, when we put them together, we get something bigger than the the uh, addition of the the separate parts. And so, going back to the question of you know what does it mean to get out of your head, right? It's like doing our best to control the mental aspect of the anxiety response, being able to say to ourselves, Hey, I know I'm overthinking this situation right now. I know I'm dwelling on things that don't serve my mind. And then giving ourselves strategies to be able to walk some of that fear back, be able to put down some of the ruminations and scary thoughts that we turn over all the time that lead to the, the various anxious symptoms that we experience. You know, it's a pretty awesome perspective. I am a huge fan of mindset, right? So uh, if you've listened to the show, I know a lot of our listeners have heard from David Galloway from Into Thrive, and he's a mindset coach, and he's really awesome. We've done some, you know, rewiring of the subconscious and and really making sure that, you know, you pay attention to you can really control your mind and really understand how you take in information and whether or not it will, you know, make you anxious or whatever it may be, if you can control your breathing, all that kind of stuff is, is really awesome. And this is why I'm excited about our conversation, because I know you're an author and a blogger, and you have some really awesome reads on your blog. So I'm interested in, in knowing, you know, what your favorite blog is that you have out right now. Uh, I do enjoy like, so a couple of themes that I try to hit on, and, and I guess we, we can jump into one of these if you want, but I'm going to be like a little bit intentionally vague just because it's hard to pick one. Um, a couple of threads or themes that I've gone down on the blog in the last year. So like one of them that I, that I constantly come back to, right? Because if you read my first book, actually both of my books, um, a theme of my writing is like trying to marry the uh, what I do in my full-time role, which is I'm a software developer with the mental health side of things. Right. And a lot of people will say to me, like, dude, you're a software developer. Like, what does that have anything to do with anxiety, depression, mental health, whatever. Right. Yeah. And for me, you know, I just started to notice a bunch of different uh, patterns or commonalities between the two things. We could jump into any one of those, but like each one of those commonalities, when I come up with them, when I remind myself of them, I'll be like, oh yeah, I should write a blog about that. Right. So um, I guess j this is not necessarily my favorite uh, topic, but the, the most recent blog that I put out was this idea that comes from computer science, which is called pattern recognition. And so right. in, in, uh, in computer programming, like a uh, you know, a computer script will say, I am looking out for uh, a specific pattern, right? The, the example I give in the blog is if you are on a website and you're trying to sign up uh, for an account, uh, the, the field where you put your email address, that has some sort of pattern recognition behind it that will basically say like, once what the user is typing into the box looks like an email address, then we can let them move on to the next step. So there's some sort of um, pattern that has already been established behind that, right? So it may say like any number of characters followed by the at symbol, followed by any number of characters, followed by a period, followed by you know some sort yeah. of domain extension or whatever it is. Uh, if what the user puts into the text field matches that pattern, then we're good to go. And so uh, obviously it's like, okay, well, yeah, we, we know what that is now. We understand that concept of what the heck does that have to do with mental health? Right. And so, um, you know, talking about get out of your head, talking about the mental patterns that we run and whatnot, it's like so much of the anxiety and depression that we feel comes from these, these thought patterns that are habitual. And so over time, it, it does take a long time, right? Because 
you, you need the awareness to be able to say to yourself, like, I recognize these thoughts that are going through my head. I have seen this before and I know where they lead. I know the feelings that are on the other side of this and it's not good. That's our own form of pattern recognition. It's obviously in the psychological realm rather than uh, in the computer world, but it's the same concept nonetheless. So, um, you know, I had related it to a different podcast that I was on where I was saying like, you know, once we understand what the thought patterns are that lead us to those dangerous places, that's a really powerful spot to be in where we can then say, oh, wait, 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 I just detected that I'm going down that same path. I don't want to do that today. I don't want to feel the negative feelings on the other side of that. So knowing that and having uh, you know, what I would call uh, the mental health toolkit, I'm going to pull out some of the strategies that I've developed for myself over the years. I'm going to take out one of those strategies and I'm going to utilize it right now and try to stop those thoughts in their tracks. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I have to say one of my favorite ones is uh, what is toxic positivity? It's something that I always kind of deal with because, you know, sometimes I get labeled as like this positive guy, right? But we really try, try and pay attention to, you know, the things that can float you to the negative side. And I, that was a really good, interesting read for me. I think it's like you have a good perspective and, and you come from like almost like uh, the term I get is like it's organic, very much like you just mentioned, you know, and you utilize a lot of your practices and some of your speakings. And I think it's pretty amazing. And then we get into book one of your series here, A Tool of Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of how this book came about, what it's about from the anxiety standpoint, and if someone was to pick it up and read it, what they can expect. Yeah, that one was sort of the culmination of 10 years of dealing with anxiety, right? It was like, I, I talk about at the beginning of the book, I remember sitting down during one of the first weeks of high school, uh, excuse me, during one of the first weeks of college, having just experienced a panic attack in front of uh, this girl that I liked and right. it being kind of a devastating experience at the time, right? Like knowing that I was interested in this girl, uh, you know, she reacted really negatively to, to me having this panic, panic attack in front of her and, um, you know, sitting down the next day and basically saying to myself, like, number one, uh, it's not going to work out with that girl. I kind of just blew it. Number two, I don't even really know what I just experienced. Like at the time, I don't think I really knew the word or the term panic attack. I was just like, I was really nervous. And I kind of like freaked out a little bit. And number three, I saw this happening. Like this was not the first time that this had happened in my life. And it was like, if I don't figure this out right now, or at the very least start this journey right now, like it's going to continually come back and affect my dating life, affect uh, my pr professional career, my relationships, all sorts of different areas of my life. So in the beginning of the book, it was like, okay, I'm this 18 year old kid. I now realize that I'm dealing with some sort of psychological demons and I need to get to the bottom of them because otherwise, again, like, you know, it's, they're going to affect various parts of my life. And so I would say, you know, it's like at that moment, I kind of had one of those like, you know, reactions that an 18 year old kid had would have. And I was kind of like, you know, basically like, screw this, like, I'm going to figure it out. And uh, on the other side of it, I'll write a book or I'll write a blog or whatever it is, but like, we're going to get through it almost one of those, I don't know, like sort of, you know, you get confident or whatever, yeah. even in your despair, you're just like, you know, here, here we go. We're going to do this. Let's go kind of thing. Um, and then fast forward 10 years later, uh, when I finally, finally, you know, felt as though I had been through enough experiences, learned enough, made enough progress that I felt comfortable writing and publishing the book, um, you know, throughout the, the first book, I, I talk about 
situations from when I was 18, from when I was 22, from when I was 25. So it kind of, you know, is all over the map in that sense, but it was really just me wanting to relay a lot of my different experiences and then also talk about how I had brought different strategies to the table throughout that entire timeline and then give that information, give those learnings and and the things that I picked up in those situations back to readers. So um, it's a relatively practical book on anxiety. I think I would say because it's like, it's just me and you talking, right? It's like, uh, it's, it's sort of like good friends, just trying to hash this thing out. Um, I have a ton of respect for the, you know, the medical community and all that, but like, I wanted to cut through the jargon. I wanted to leave the fluff out. I wanted to say like, Hey, mano y mano or, or whatever the phrase is, let's get to the bottom of this thing. Let's not sugarcoat things again, back to the rainbows and unicorns. Let's leave that out of the situation for now. Let's actually focus it, focus on, you know, the difficulty that we're experiencing now, but also bring some insights to the situation that could uh, potentially help a reader that finishes the book. So um, that was kind of the journey there. Yeah. You know what? Relatable experience. That's what we like to say with self-care. You, you know, we're trying to provide relatable experience and get right to the issue. You know, I don't know if you know, Brian, but I had a panic attack in front of a conference of 250 people. So the anxiety for me to get back into this realm where I was like talking and doing mentorship really started with me having that exact same feeling that you had. I had like a burst of like confidence out of, I don't know how, cause I was like in my least confident state, but I, I had this burst of confidence and I started going to uh, like teach myself to go to classes for public speaking. And I started becoming a trained public speaker and started working my way back into it because I knew that what I have for my goal requires me to be able to confidently have conversations with people and not just have a freak out moment. I have to be able to control it. I really have to work towards making sure that I don't have these panic attacks. So I really got down into it. And that's really what I like about your perspective. Um, tell me a little bit about your panic attack. Have you had any since since then? Do you have them over a course of years? Do you, do you know how to handle them better? Do you have like breathing techniques, something along those lines? Yeah. So I have had two in the course of my life that the one that I was talking about was uh, the second one. And I do, I do want to say like, I don't want to breeze past what you had just mentioned. Like uh, I give you a lot of credit for, you know, being able to talk about the situation that you went through. I mean, that's, you know, 250 people, man, that is not easy, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like getting back on the wagon, getting on these podcasts, being honest about the conversation, right? It's like, like you were saying, we, we, we enjoy in one way or another, uh, relatable experiences. And it's like for, for you to tell your story for me to tell my story, I I think the best that we can hope for is that folks are listening and they're like, man, you know, maybe it's not that crazy that, uh, I experienced something similar and like that, you know, hopefully I guess just trying to expand the conversation in general, right. Make people feel like they're not alone. Um, you know, going back to the original question of, you know, have I experienced panic attacks since how many, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I've only experienced two in my life. I will say like, there are, there are definitely, it's not, I think it's a little bit of, um, it's not totally black and white, right? There are situations that you go into that you're nervous in. Sometimes you are very nervous, but I think what separates a panic attack from something else is like the complete debilitation, right? If you are trying to perform a task and you are just like, you know, you're, you have this physical, you have a somatic activation, your mind is running everywhere wild. It's like, if you can't do what you're seeking out to do in the first place, 
Um, and obviously there's like, you know, there's a definition to what a panic attack is. There's lots of different things that can happen, but it's like, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's a little nuanced, right? It's like, I, I have definitely showed up to situations that have made me very nervous, uh, since 2000, when was that 2008, the, the college story that I, that yep. I foretold, but, but at the same time, I wouldn't call those panic attacks because I have strategies now, uh, that I can leverage when I'm in those situations. I have the understanding that like, okay, I've been through this before. I know what it is and I know I'm not in any actual danger here, right? I think one of the most difficult things about panic attacks, and, and, and it it obviously can apply to more than just your first, but a lot of people struggle mightily with the first one because we don't know what it is, right? And all right. of a sudden it's like, oh my God, like I might be dying. I can't breathe. My heart feels like it's constricting. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a heart attack. I can't. I can barely see. I can't think. Like all yeah. those different things at once. It's It's really unsettling. Right. And so I think, um, if I hadn't done this inner work, if I hadn't done, uh, gone and, and read lots of books and blogs and journal articles and consumed all sorts of content on mental health, then maybe all those situations that happen, you know, after, uh, the one in college, maybe those would have escalated to panic attacks. But the fact that I had a lot of strategies at my side, um, I felt as though I was able to assert a little bit more control or at least understanding in the situation to be able to reassure myself and, and talk myself back uh, from some of the fear. And that's not to say that it's easy. That's not to say that, um, <laughs> again, it's it's uh, all rainbows and unicorns or anything like that. But with the right strategies, they can really uh, take you to they can take you far, right? They can yep. help you do things that you previously were like, there's no way in heck I could ever do that. Yeah. You know, sometimes almost like uh, we use this term level up a lot, right? Like you have the ability to kind of just get past something, move past it and get to the next level of where you need to go towards your goal. You know, for me, like I had the panic attack and, and I legitimately felt like I was having a heart attack. Like I literally called my mom. And I was like, this is it. Like, you know, I'm about to have this right here. And it was like, I couldn't control my breathing. Um, my heart rate was racing. I just didn't know what was happening. Right. And I was at a conference right in the middle of like this resort and I could just feel it. So, you know, I started teaching myself later on, like how to deal with it. It wasn't that I was necessarily getting hit with panic attacks, but I, the next occurrence was probably like a month later, I was sitting in a boardroom and I started feeling it coming. And I was like, what is happening here? And like over time, I wear I wear a Fitbit, right? Checks my heart rate. Over time, I was able to like in this meeting, I just looked down and realized that my heart rate was nowhere close to what it felt like. So then I started being able to have that concept of understanding that it's how I'm perceiving the situation, right? And how I'm taking in the information and how I'm, you know, adapting to it, which is making me anxious, which I don't necessarily be, need to because something is misleading me, right? So that would really spark my journey. And then I started really challenging myself, you know, public speaking and, and being taught speaking in front of people about like random stuff or like, you know, having a, a minute to they give you a topic and you just have to talk about it in front of a group of people like that is traumatizing at times. But as you do it and get that repetition in, I was able to find tactics that made me feel comfortable and I was able to use over the course of time, very much like you're saying, right, you're able to kind of like go back into your toolkit. And be like, I got this in my pocket. I know that I can use this and this, I'll be okay. Now I have that confidence that I'm going to be able to get through this situation and I'm not going to have a heart attack kind of deal. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I liked everything you had to say there. I thought that was interesting. The insight with the Fitbit. I, I have never, uh, I try not to look at my own, like I, I have a wearable, but I try not to look at it too much in terms of the heart rate, just 
for the, the mere fact that I don't want to freak myself out, right. If, if my heart rate is too high or something like that, but that was a really, really interesting insight. Uh, one thing that it made me think of was, you know, I've got a chapter in the first book, which is, uh, called focus on growth. And it's, uh, there's a couple subsections in there. And one of them is like being able to see anxiety as a growth gauge, right? It's like, uh, I don't want to glamorize this too much because, you know, a lot of the things that we go through that make us anxious and fearful are really difficult. And I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But if you think about your situation, right, it's like, okay, maybe the anxiety was saying to you, like, like, I don't feel necessarily confident in this situation. I don't feel as though I have the skills to stand up here and talk to 250 people. Yeah, that's it. Whether whether or not you actually do or don't have those skills, right? It's like, that, that could be up to you. But at the same time, as you put yourself in more situations where you feel as though, you are developing those skills for real and then actually have that confidence, the, the anxiety will go away over time. And then you have, you'll be able to look back and say like, I grew, right. I grew as a personal, uh, as a public speaker, uh, as somebody who can stand in front of an audience and command uh, a large room or something like that. And so if we take that concept and apply it to different situations in our lives, right. It's like, okay, I'm afraid to go backpack through Europe by myself. Why don't I go try that out in a small manageable dose, right. Yep. And then that will allow me, if I do it successfully, I'll have to navigate this difficult situation, but I'll be able to look back and say, I grew, right? I am now confident in my ability to fly on a plane by myself, to be on vacation for four days, four weeks, whatever it is by myself, to make friends with random strangers. Like, um, So I, I think in some ways, not all the time, right? Because obviously anxiety can uh, pop up in situations of legitimate threat and we don't want to like walk into a bear cage. Uh, but at the same time, when we look at situations that aren't inherently threatening, uh, like, you know, life-threatening, um, but ones that scare us, we can sometimes say, okay, maybe this makes sense for me to step into it and try to learn something or grow from it. Like I mentioned a couple of times here, we use the term level up and we believe like, you know, you can have a hundred meter right, uh, race, right? And you could be trying to get to the end goal, which is that end of that hundred meter race. And maybe you fail at 10 meters, but at least you know what the, you can expect from that 10 meters next time. Right. And so on and so forth. If you got the 20 meters, you know, kind of like how to expect where I'm going to be. So for me, what really happened was I felt like every single time now, when I stand up in front of people, I'm just like, yeah, it is what it is. Like I've been here before I've been in the worst state I've failed in front of everybody. So like, I'm not worried about that anymore. You know what I mean? Kind of like that chip on my shoulder, but also I felt like maybe it was my body telling me, you know, when I had the panic attack, like, we're just not there yet. We're just not prepared yet to be at this level. We need to maybe do some more work or we need to maybe find some more so we can level up and get to that next step. So that's really kind of how I felt and how I perceived it. You have book two here in the series, which is navigating the abyss of depression, which is another hot topic and, you know, a really good conversation piece. You know, what can listeners expect from this read? Yeah, this one, this one was tough, man. I mean, this was a, obviously it's like when you're writing about mental health, it's going to be hard no matter what, but like the first one, the first one took like, you know, it took me 10 years to get through all the experiences that I felt that I needed to get through in order to feel comfortable writing the book, publishing it, that sort of thing. The second book, like I didn't, I, I had started writing it actually like shortly after the first book, but at the same time, like I don't know. I, I I wasn't expecting it to happen. It was like uh, I was about to publish the first one, and I obviously wanted to write more books, but I didn't have like as soon as I hit publish on the first one, I didn't necessarily have a plan. Right? It was like okay, I'll figure out what the next book is when when I figure it out. And I 
I was getting close to publishing the the first book and I realized like, you know, kind of subtly I had a lot, like some things had changed in my life where I had fallen into a depressive state. And, you know, over the, the next, I would say year after that, I kind of just like took the anxiety journey, which was more like 10 years. Um, and I mean, I, I went through some tough times. I'm not going to lie. It was a, a difficult year for me. Um, I'm not trying to like garner sympathy or anything like that, but I, yeah, I hear uh, it was a, it was a more turbocharged or compressed version uh, of the first book. And then, so I just kind of, again, I took those insights that I, you know, gleaned from my own life and tried to, um, you know, synthesize them down and share them with readers. If we jump into actual tactics, it, the, the book itself, it, the, the structure is a little different than the first one, right? The first one is more of that toolkit vibe. It's like, I'm going to throw a ton of stuff at you. You take what you think works for you. Uh, you put it in, into your toolkit. Uh, the second book, there is definitely still a lot of that, right? I'm, I'm going to throw a lot of different ideas at you and you get to see which ones resonate with you and then right. decide which ones you want to go uh, and implement in the real world. But it's a little bit more of like this uh, artistic narrative, if you will. So like on the front cover, I've got this boat uh, and the boat is being sucked down into an abyss uh, or a whirlpool right in the ocean. And the, the idea was just kind of mirroring uh, the, the black hole in our mind, if you will, the abyss uh, of our mind or the abyss of depression. And so uh, if I'm jumping into specific tactics or specific ideas in that book, um, the one that I really like to touch upon is the, um, so coming back, uh, trying to wrap a few different things together here from throughout the conversation, uh, you know, I talk about having some similarities or some cross between mental health and computer science. So in computer science, this is concept uh, of state management, basically like Computer systems and computer programs, all they all operate in. Um, uh, so they operate on top of these things called state machines, which are basically just like different. It's it's a simple way to put it is like different code that runs depending on the current configuration of the system. If right, so it's like if you're playing a video game and your character is like out of life or out of health, the video game is going to operate differently than if you're at a hundred percent health or even. 10% maybe your character is running sluggish, sluggishly around the screen, if that makes sense, right? Yep. Um, so I, I, I take that concept both in the first book and the second book. So we apply state management to the mental health game. And it's basically the idea of like, we enter and exit different states all the time. Uh, when we bring in the concept of, of like the, the word management, right? It's like, we want to take ownership of the fact that we we can sometimes move from you know happy state to a depressed state to a joyous state to an anxious state whatever it is we we get into and out of all these different feelings throughout the course of our day state management is just the, the notion of like bringing a little bit more ownership to it saying like hey i'm going to be aware of the fact that i'm moving in and out of states and then i'm going to apply certain actions at certain times in order to bring myself out of the states that don't serve me and into ones that do serve me, right? So uh, if we go down the path of depression and we say like, you know, what does it look like when, when, when we're in a depressed state? One of the concepts that's in the second book is this idea that like, we see the world as a product of ourselves, a product of the world, right? It's like, we, uh, what's the, I'm trying to think of the actual phrase. It's like, we see the world, not as it is, but as we are, if that makes sense. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. So it's like, uh, one of the, the messages I deliver to folks in the second book is, is having the understanding everything looks bleak and hopeless. It's a, there's a good possibility that we are depressed rather than everything in the world is bleak and hopeless. And so yeah. what we have to do is we have to remember to say to ourselves, like when we change our state, when we leave our depressed state, 
those things will change how they look to us. So rather than like fighting the things, you know, rather than fighting uh, hopelessness or bleakness or what, whatever the, the term that we want to give to it, what we want to do is we want to turn around and say like, what are the things that I can do to change my state? So those things that I'm looking at then change how they appear to me. Uh, and then it's kind of one of those, like, you know, if I'm looking at the cover, right, the, the abyss is a downward spiral. Uh, we almost, it's, I, again, I, I hate to glamorize things. I don't want to do that because, you know, depression is obviously a super heavy and, and, and tough subject, but it's, we, we want to take the downward spiral and try to flip it on and create this sort of upward spiral where it's like, okay, I'm depressed. I see everything as bleak and hopeless. I'm going to go out, even though it's going to be super difficult and it might not happen right away. I'm going to apply all these strategies that I've learned through the books and try to get myself out of this depressive state. Once I do that, things will look a little bit better. And then from there, I can action on things that excite me, that make me happy, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, again, we're going from, you know, the, the downward spiral to the upward spiral, right? Trying to cultivate some more of those, those good feelings. And instead of, you know, it's like we're feeling bad, we're avoid, we're, we're, we want to look away from the things that look bleak because they're a product of how we feel internally. Once we feel good, we want to say to ourselves, like, bring those good things on, right? I want more of them. I want to uh, try to cultivate those and and bring them into my life. So that's that's an interesting thing that I that I bring into you know into that second book. Basically, just trying to tell folks, like, hey, uh, it may seem as though things will never get better, and it may seem as though things are already so bad that that's just the way they are. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like depression is so hard to deal with, um, but it's it's just one of those like moments where I'm trying to say to folks, like, hey things will probably get better. And when they do, they will look better and then you will feel better. Um, so try to try to like hone in on those feelings and, and run toward them as best you can. Bang on. We just say it differently in different types of words and terms. We, we agree. Like that's totally what it's about. You know, for us at self-care, you, we use that term promote positivity because regardless of the state that you're in, right. You could be in a depressed state. You know, you could be in the best time of your life. It doesn't matter where you are when you're, you know, trying to do something positively and trying to get that impact. You Maybe you're trying to reach that goal. Maybe you're trying to get whatever it is done. Once you hit that goal, you build that confidence. You start feeling, you know, a little bit better. You stand up a little bit more pride about what you're doing. And then from there, you know, just like you said, right, the ball gets rolling. You start looking for, you know, more things like that to come to you. And then you start getting, you know, hopefully what is a good effect of, of hitting goals and obviously some positivity. It's amazing. A lot of the stuff you say, like, I, I'm over here just shaking my head. Like, I totally agree. Like, I get it. I get it. But you just say it to me differently. Like, it's the first time I heard it. It's pretty amazing. I love it. I think you're an awesome author. You know, can we expect a third book sometime soon? Or It's a great question. I appreciate the compliments. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. It's going to happen. Uh, it, it's I don't have the narrative yet. And I think yeah. I'm okay with that, just in the sense of, like, um, you know, I think about uh, and it, it, so it's hard to talk about, right? Cause it's like, so I'm thinking about my second book and that was like, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Um, and it, it's, I'm, I guess, again, the best word to you, I'm very proud of it at the same time. It's like, if I could have not gone th- what I went through, yeah, that would have been great too. But then I probably wouldn't have the book, uh, with the third one, I hope that it doesn't take like a crisis for me to write it. I don't think it will. I have, I have the like beginnings of, I definitely have an idea. I think the tough thing is that like, you know, does an idea become 
a tweet? Does it become a blog post? Does it become a podcast episode? Does it become a book, an online course, something like that? So I need more of the, I think I have the, like a, a sort of central theme, but I need a lot more content to help flesh it out. So that may take time for me to come up with all those ideas. Um, again, hoping that like, I don't know, God goes easy on me or something, right? It's like, I don't want to go through anything too, too terrible that like forces me to write another book. But at the same time, like I, I've got the, the very loose framework of that I want to talk about in the third one. Uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, I don't know, to give a sneak preview, like I'm hoping it would be sort of a tying together of the first two, right? Talking about mental health in general, talking about anxiety and depression in general, talking about doing some of the inner work uh, like shadow work lives, things that kind of haunt us from like subconsciously, right? Trauma that we've dealt with in the, or that we've experienced in the past that maybe we haven't dealt with um, things that affect us over the long term that we're not even entirely aware of uh, that perpetuate our anxiety and depression. And again, it's like, I could easily write a blog post about that, but will I write a whole book about it? We, we shall see. I mean, it, it'll come in time. Just, is it going to be two years? Is it going to be five years? I guess that's what we'll have to figure out. Yeah, well, let's hope, you know, whenever you get there, it's an easy journey for you, you know, and although we want to see book three, right, we want it to be, you know, as easy as it can be on you. So you obviously don't have a situation because obviously you come from that organic state. That's what the key, the word I keep getting is like, yeah, man, this is a real person giving relatable experience. Exactly why we're here with Self Care You is to make sure that we provide people relatable experience. And that's what you're doing through your books, Brian. You know, if you had a young person in front of you that was confused with their mental health and, you know, you could tell that they were stuck in their head, what would be some of that advice that you'd give them? There's a lot to say. I think I would start by saying what I say on a lot of podcasts, which is basically, you know, things probably will get better. Uh, they definitely can get better. It may take a little bit of time, but like wherever it is that you're trying to go, you will get there in time. Um, it might not, it, it's, it might not happen overnight, right? But onto the hope that you have will get better uh, because one of the it's one of the key ingredients of overcoming struggle adversity anxiety depression uh, look at a sort of sort of formal or even I don't know a little loose definition of depression right it's like the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness those make their way into our lives all of a sudden we're experiencing what the mind that we know as depression so it's like hold on to that hope hold on to the belief um, that you can overcome or, or get through what, uh, what you're going through. Because, you know, I've been there before. Scott, I'm sure you've been there before. You know, you talked about some of your struggles podcast. Uh, I think these conversations are great because they they tell folks that like they are not alone in the struggle, right? And that's one of the, the key messages I'm trying to put out here, which is like, if I were talking to somebody, I'd say they are most certainly not alone. Like really well said, like, that you have a great perspective on how to help people from a realistic manner. And we're not talking about like what it reads in the book. We're talking about real life experience. You know, Brian, I'm sure that the listeners are going to want to get in touch with you, maybe get a book or two. How can they get in touch with you Buy that book? Maybe you get some of these blogs. Where's the best part? Yeah. Uh, get out of your head.com. Uh, website, no dashes, no space on that URL. Uh, from there, you can buy some merch if you want. We got some cool get out of your head t-shirts on there. Uh, the blog is there as well. And then there's also links on the site that will lead to the books. 
The best place to buy the books, if you just go find them, uh, would be on Amazon. I will say there is another book uh, of the same title. So just make sure you look for my name uh, when you go to buy my books. Uh, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't buy the wrong one. Um, the reason that I point to Amazon mostly is because that's one of the only places that you can get the paperback. So if you want a physical copy, uh, that's the place that you're going to want to go. And then on social media, I tend to post the most on Instagram. So the handle there is get out of your head. Again, one word, no spaces, no dashes, anything like that. Um, I, I invite people to connect with my own as well, but like, I'm going to leave, like, if you find that one and you want to message me uh, through there, that's cool. But like, I, I, I mostly just, uh, you know, state the get out of your head name. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm pushing all the messages through. So, all right, man. Well, it's getoutofyourhead.com. It's a brand. It's a movement. My guy, Brian, is doing great work. Brian, thanks for your time on the show today, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was a great discussion. And uh, yeah, big props to you for you know having these conversations and you know, putting your heart on the line and, and just uh, helping people level up, if you will. Yeah, man. Be well. Thanks for sticking around for another episode. Like I said at the beginning, this guy, Brian, has an amazing concept. He is a great person. It was a great conversation. And if you like what he's doing, you know, make sure you get over to his website. Make sure you check out his books. Make sure you show some support because he is amazing. He does an amazing job, has great conversations, and he's always on podcasts. So I appreciate Brian being on the show. Selfcareu.net is doing so well. Everybody's coming to the website and checking it out, whether you're trying to buy shirts or not. And our Instagram is getting bigger and bigger and bigger with people viewing our content every day. It's at selfcareu underscore level up. Make sure you check us out there. And also, you know, the Selfcare You podcast. We're starting to blossom all over the states. People are listening to it. And we thank you for all the support. We really do. Thank you uh, to Texas. Thank you to California, to Florida. We really support us and and really help us get the podcast bigger and bigger and bigger and it's allowed us to get it on other platforms so we appreciate it very much uh get over to the website it's selfcareu.net it's on instagram at selfcareu underscore level up or it's a selfcareu podcast on any platform that you can get it at this is selfcareu and we definitely leveled up today with brian sachetta from getoutofyourhead.com <laughs>